This is Shu Hirata's Let's Talk Japanese Fight Sports with Charlie Jouette from SogoKaku.com. Let's begin. Hey, Merry Christmas. And yeah, Merry Christmas to you too. Early Happy New Year's. Yeah. You guys do anything fun for the holidays? Uh, not much. I've been working kind of busy. And uh, yeah. New Year's meeting uh, tomorrow is the weigh-ins of Rising 45. Exactly. Now, I heard that you are not attending the show this year. No, no. Well, <laughs> normally for the New Year's Eve show, I like to go just like as a fan. And uh -huh. my wife and her friends come along with me. But the tickets are ah. kind of pretty expensive. And then combine that with getting to the event and getting back from the event. We decided this year That's just true. to watch it on the big screen TV, order some pizzas, right. and watch it. Yeah, it's style. a pay per view by Abema TV, right? This year. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. So I guess you next uh, is not doing anything. I do not think so. No. <laughs> mm. Interesting. I mean, that's pretty Maybe interesting because you next. I think you, you know how you next did big thing for Bellator Japan and you know that show, Retro Rising show, but now all of a sudden they're not doing this New Year's Eve. It gave Abema an exclusive, which is kind of interesting. Yeah, didn't Abema also get the exclusive for the match? I think so. The match, Abema got the exclusive. So I'm wondering if maybe Abema just kind of bid, paid Rising more to get the exclusive. Well, here's what it is. I think the fact that the Abema had, did the, the match, that they already have those contact info of all these, you know, whatever the number of oh. the pay-per-view buys they did. So it would be much easier for them to reach out to these people to, to really, you know, to try to market the pay-per-view instead of right. you next who really didn't have that kind of a contact list, right? Mm -hmm. So I think it's fair to assume that Bellator Japan and the last, you know, Ultra Show Rising show didn't do too much of a pay-per-view as expected. So yeah, maybe it's making sense for Abema to to take not take over, but I think they they can come up with the more realistic numbers, you know. Well, maybe it's actually already been effective because I think Sakakibara said that the pre-sales for this year have already doubled the pre-sales from last year. Could see that, right? So maybe the Abima is doing a pretty good job reaching out to people with advertising. Yeah, exactly. Like for example, if they, they let's say, I mean, just I'm not saying uh, throwing the numbers, but if they sold like let's say half a million pay-per-views. On like you know that match, they have that email addresses and you know contact info and the card info. It's half a million people. Ooh ha, fake fans. So it's it's a direct marketing. So it makes it much easier, right? So yeah, much easier. So yeah, exactly. And it's a New Year's Eve show, which is like a, almost like in Japan, it's a customary to watch fight event on New Year's Eve. Right. And like you know that very well. So so now I think is it fair to say that that the main event of this year's New Year's Eve is Sort of like a, for hardcore fans instead of like a entertainment fans in Japan because it was yeah. a Mayweather's and the, all kinds of stuff, but not it's Horiguchi versus Shinju. Well, going into the event, for some reason, I was kind of convinced that, like, in my mind, that Pacquiao was going to be somehow involved with this mm -hmm. and be the main event, but that didn't happen. And so now, yeah, we at least the, um, the main portion of the card is actually all pretty solid. Like MMA matches for hardcore MMA fans, or Gucci. Right, Shinyu. because I can tell you right now, I think they were considering Pacquiao for so-called entertainment, you know, part of the uh, Rising show, and you know, Horiguchi versus Shinju could be the so-called hardcore competitive MMA prefer fans, you know, type of main event. But I think they couldn't come up through with Pacquiao, so that's right. replaced by Hiramoto versus Yama. Yeah, because it looks like I think. Um... Some Thai promoter actually booked Pacquiao to fight Buakau. Yes, Buakau, like, right. So he's like a peak. million bot. <laughs> but, <laughs> so, but um, I actually remember Sakakibara was saying that one of the things he liked about this card was that he kind of shows that Rising can do everything. It can have uh -huh. like entertaining bouts on there, but also the bouts for the hardcore MMA fans. Yeah, but entertainment buds means they're talking about the fights like Hiramoto versus Yaman and even exactly. his younger brother against Yushi kind of stuff, right? Exactly. Yeah. Right, but that kind of lacks international flavor, though. 
you know, compared to like a Mayweather impact or Pacquiao well, impact. That's a huge difference. The Pacquiao um, Buicao thing is interesting because I know they said 10 million baht, which I looked up, is like $290,000. But if you look more into it, the promoter in charge of this has a huge budget. They have a budget mm. of like 85 million or something crazy for this. So it's going to be way more than, I mean, I cannot picture like Pacquiao doing this for like less than millions of dollars. You know I mean? He's having those legal issues with his management team in the U.S. where he's like potentially having to pay money. So I think he's on oh. a little make as much money as I can tour outside of the U.S. Mm. and uh, take it to the Philippines where they can't stop me. Yeah, I could imagine. I'm not really expert on the Philippine, you know, law. But if he fights in Philippines, gets paid in Philippines, much you can do if you're American management company, right? Exactly. Yeah. If he really doesn't have any presence. Yeah. So, and plus, I mean, this is a huge fight anyway. Just Wukow is a big, recognized international name, hero big in Thailand. Time, right. Yeah. It's a, it's a big bout. I would just, but when I saw how big the budget was, it was it kind of made sense mm -hmm. that he chose them over Ryzen. And I, I guess they're expecting a, a, a decent buy pay-per-view buy from the North America and the other part of the world too, right? I guess. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So huh? not much. Well, they've been kind of doing some stuff like this with Boycott because I think they also had a fight with them in Kota Miura that was like technically an exhibition. Hmm. I don't know what's going on all with right, all well, these exhibition matches because now we have Boycott going in exhibition matches. You have Pacquiao doing exhibition matches. So just, Right. But there's no exhibition matches in uh, Rising on New Year's Eve this year. It's great. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> so let's, I mean, let's look at a couple of fights. I mean, what do you, I mean, I, I want to talk about the predictions on the main event because Sushindu is my client. Uh, what do you think about, about that, that fight? fight, though? My yeah, sure. So I had a question about that fight. So, in for this event, mm -hmm. Rising has been leaning into the YouTube aspect of yeah. promotion. And they have released okay. a ton of content already promoting this event. Right. And I believe it was the confessions video that focused on Horaguchi and Shinyu, where Horaguchi mm -hmm. just kept talking about how Shinyu could should have continued <laughs> during the last fight. And I believe that was the one where you were actually featured in the confession video explaining mm -hmm. that it's not mm -hmm. that he didn't choose to continue, it's that the doctor asked if he could see, and that's why they stopped the fight. Right. But I just thought it was kind of weird that Horiguchi was talking about how he should have continued and then talking about how he got headbutted in a fight and kept going. Because in the previous sentence, I believe Horiguchi was talking about like how, oh, fighters need to be honorable. I'm not, I don't like this talking trash. And then he like proceeded to immediately talk trash. Like after <laughs> well, that's, maybe because he changed his mind because Shindu's style is like talking trash, right? Almost. Right? Okay, well, and I think I, I was, saw the... Horiguchi criticized Shinju. Yeah, something like that. Him. Right. Or murder, or whatever that is. And he said the choice of words are not that good, you know? And right. some fans are criticizing him not having a lack, you know, having a lack of education and stuff, like that, you know? Mm -hmm. But again, I think even the UFC press conference, like how Colby Covington did to Leon Edwards, which is pretty bad, but people think it's okay to even bring on religions and families and everything else and, and try to stir things up. Uh, right. Yeah, and, and they think it's just the style of fight sports. It's a trend of fight sports these days. Seems well, like. I, <laughs> it seems like a giant trend, especially, well, we can get into this later. We talk about the breaking down influence. Yes. Yeah. But it is most definitely becoming a, a, a normal thing in Ryzen. Right. But when you really think about it, though, like in the other sports, who really made it, uh, you know, the names from Joe's Trash Talks? You know, not really though. Like Muhammad Ali was a poet, right? In a way, right. he wasn't like a real dirty trash talk. And guys who had a trash talk, like in like let's say Larry Bird in NBA, it's not like he was trash talking people in the public. On the I mean, yeah, court, that, that was just about that, it. That was just kind of mental. Stuff. That was mental exactly. warfare with the other guys. Yeah, exactly right. So it's it's just True. totally different right now. You know. Well, also, um, I think the thing that gets lost in translation because I know that. A lot of Japanese fighters will like look at like people like a Nate Diaz or a Nick Diaz, or they'll see like a mm -hmm. Chael Sonnen kind of fighter. And Chael Sonnen or Conor McGregor, obviously the biggest trash talker. 
I think mm-hmm. the thing that's lacking is like Chael Sonnen was always kind of tongue in cheek, and it was always like funny. He Conor McGregor's always had like a sense of humor to it. Or the Japanese exactly, one right. is just like the Japanese one is just like you're stupid. <laughs> what did right. the guy say? What did he, didn't like Yaman just yell right about though? Just baka. He just called him stupid. Yeah, or like, something like that. It's just there's no injury intelligence and it just gives a little displeasure, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, it's too bad. And they're not really even thinking about the branding or like uh, character, you know, or marketing, none of that. So, well, I did laugh though, yeah. when I found out that Ren is just like harassing Yaman in his DMs on social media. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's the mental warfare, but no, but so you know, like you I always about... say this I do not control any of our clients' social media. I right. let them know whatever they want to do because I think that's we're in an era where it's not like that in the old days, right? You know, right? Well, so I now mean, that we're already talking about it, I guess before we get into the fights, so mm-hmm. we have Rin Hidamoto, your client, obviously famous for talking trash. We have Ampo, who is talking crazy trash going into this event. Mm-hmm. We have Catfish, who's also talking crazy trash going into this event. Mm-hmm. He's got like the face tattoos. Right. And Ren's got the tattoos. They're all wearing sunglasses in all of their interviews, even though it's like in a dark room. And I just can't help but think that breaking down has had its impact because <laughs> we didn't think, I didn't think that breaking down, I always thought that at the beginning that it would kind of be separate from MMA. Mm-hmm. But it seems like it's actually people are like, oh, these breaking down guys are really popular. So we got to like act like thugs, talk trash. And wear like be the Mikuru, wear sunglasses at all times, no matter where we are. <laughs> yeah. Just seems to me. And also, um, when my wife and I went to a show actually recently, uh-huh. she said, she's like, noticed the rising fan base has like changed. Oh, I it's, bet. Like, a lot younger people. It's a lot more of these mm-hmm. like Mikuru fans, Renhiramoto fans, a lot more young people who are just like more in your face that are kind of louder. And so it's pretty interesting to see the impact that this kind of new generation has had. The, the hardcore fans will always be there, but the casual fans that are coming, kind of the demographic has changed. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And, uh, you know, it's a, I'm telling you right now, the breaking down thing, uh, lots of viewers on that show are not exactly looking for fights. They no, enjoy their auditions and uh, the you know the brawl at the press conference and stuff like that. Right? And I can do this right now. I do look at the surveys, and uh, I wouldn't say majority, but there's a big chunk of fan base of that breaking down. What is breaking down to just laugh about it? It's not like they're really looking forward to see them being successful or fight right, or you know, admire what they do, respect what they say. None of that. They make you fun know, of them. <laughs> it's like watching. It's like watching a car accident. Because yeah, exactly. the, the most extreme example to me was Catfish. His confessions video was just mm-hmm. like absolutely insane. He was like, "I don't need to train MMA. This is a fight. I'm a street fighter. I'm gonna go out there and just f this guy up because I'm a street fighter." I was just like, "Okay, <laughs> like, you not realize you're fighting an Olympic wrestler. This is gonna be go very poorly <laughs> for you." <laughs> Yeah, I know, but I guess some younger people think it's like a new kind of way to get successful, sort of like a YouTuber or like a 90s DJ, whatever that is, like a new thing, you know? Well, it's kind of interesting because a lot of the people doing it are kickboxers. Right. And I think what we've realized also recently is I think a lot of K1 fighters especially Mm -hmm. weren't making a lot of money fighting. Exactly. That's then, why they think that's the way to yeah. attract the sponsors, you know, mm-hmm. to get a hit in your rising, you know, that type of you stuff. See the K1 you know? guys, and they'll have like a hundred sponsors on their uniforms because they're <laughs> just trying to get any money they can. And so then they see these guys like Yaman going breaking down, completely changes the trajectory of his career, launches him up. He's making good money now, probably, I hope. Launched his own promotion on Abima, bought Mikuru Asakura. So you got to think that all these guys are just trying to copy that to make some money. Right. So I'm, 
it's like a, if you're a baseball player, you, you just create your own league. I think it's no. just a more entrepreneurial kind of thing to do. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what they think. I, I, I don't know. In the day when like Shohei Otani signed $700 million deals, I, I don't know why some athlete doesn't realize that if you really go for a top of the competitive professional sports world, the money you're going to make is not even comparison to, to the money you're going to get from 100 sponsors. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Yeah. But again, it's not like this is a sport, so it's not like you start when you're like 25 years old and catch up with right. the guys who's been wrestling or judo for ever since age four and five kind of thing. So yeah, yeah, it's it's very very interesting era. But in today, I mean, day after tomorrow's rising, and I think the last at least three cards are for the hardcore fans, you know, Horiguchi yeah. versus Shinryu, Archer well, versus Asakura. Is especially for the hardcore fans because oh yeah the first fight kind of got stopped prematurely because of the ipo mm-hmm. and so i feel like fans have been waiting for this for a long time very long time and i kind of agree with what some of the not all of it like when shinyu was kind of saying like oh this is kind of like the future of ma like the next best fighter on the japanese scene will be decided with this fight so mm-hmm. i think a lot of the hardcore fans are interested in it right did you see that Going on to the next one, did you see that Kai Asakura said he spent $60,000 on this training camp? I wouldn't be surprised if he flew that many people in and got housed them up for like a month. And I'm pretty sure he had to hire a driver or whatever that is to drive them around. You know, well, I, know I know he flew in a wrestling coach from the U.S. Okay. And, and also the another coach, right? That he met. Right, and then he, they said he flew yeah. in some sparring partner, but that guy's actually fighting on the card. So I'm not going to count right. that as him okay. paying for that guy to come out. So, but man, so he probably had to come out early. So at that part of the trip, he financed it, and I think he probably offered some fees, right, to the uh, right coaches. You know, of course, he's made it very clear that like the UFC is his goal. Even in his confession Mm -hmm. video at the very end, he was like, Mm -hmm. "My goal is to go to the UFC." And of the two Asakura brothers, I always thought he was the better fighter. Mm -hmm. I always thought so too. Yeah, he has the best chance, but. I was just thinking, like, is he going to go to the UFC and get like five and five? <laughs> What's like? Well, here's what it is, though. Because of the lawsuit going on, the antitrust lawsuit, and this, yeah. you know, they're supposed to start the trial in April. If they're going to settle before that, or you're going to try, whatever that is, I think depends on that lawsuit. I think the industry is going to change. Depends yeah. on the results of that lawsuit. So, uh, I, I'm, I'm assuming. That even though Ty wants to go to UFC, since he's doing the title fight right now, if he wins, I'm pretty sure there's a championship clause. And I'm pretty okay. sure he's hooked to fight for at least maybe two or three more fights. Right? So that's not, that's another year. So by then, the industry might be might change just drastically. So, yeah. yeah, to answer your question, he could end up gaining way more. Who knows? Because he is a draw. Right? So who knows? I mean... I think he came If the UFC is interested in coming to Japan, it'd be a brilliant signing for them. Right. But and not only that, UFC always wants to fight and assign the best fighters in the world. And if sure. he beats Archuleta, that will give them a reason, right? Almost. Exactly. Well, and same for the Shinryu, too. Right. Well, if Shinryu beats Horiguchi or if Kai beats Archuleta, those are huge opponents for them to beat. And they can probably go wherever they wanted after that. Didn't have a championship. But again, Shinyu has a championship clause too. I mean, okay. almost any promoter when you fight for title fight, it's not like you can just walk up. Are you, you know? saying that Rising finally learned their lesson? Well, in terms of Shinyu's contract, yes, I can't speak after, for Osaka and everybody else. Um, so he just like, left for one championship? I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure Asakura is pretty tied up too. At least yeah. two, three fights. Yeah. yeah he's, got, he's got a crazy lawyer for his manager, though, so who knows? Right, but he's also, I mean, for Asakura, if he beats in Archuleta, I think that'll put him in a very good place in the market. Yeah, so if I were his manager, I wouldn't even try to approach UFC to the lawsuit's over. Even though he out. can't contract through. Yeah, I'll wait out. Interesting, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and same for Shindu, that would be my suggestion. You know, but Mr. Shindu, he's always anxious to fight. And... Uh, we have a schedule for next year, which I can't reveal. So we pretty much know what's going to happen to like up to like June. And okay. uh, Shinji just wants to keep on fighting. 
he think he's not gonna get injured, you know, he wants to keep on fighting and earn money, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I think it's kind of obvious on this lineup. If he if he beats Horiguchi, I think he would probably have to fight the winner of Ogikubo and Dotson to defend yeah. the title, right? I think it only yeah. makes sense. Yeah. If so I think over that Dotson, would be a big show. Right. So that's in the same theory. I think I'm rising and stupid. His matchmaker, Mr. Kasuragi, is probably thinking if the tie beats Archuleta, he probably have somebody else in mind, right? Yeah. For for Kai, you know, fight. So in the same so in the same token, let's talk about skip maybe Koike and Hiramoto fight because we pretty much know what's going on. But let's 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 talk about Miyu and Seika. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, since Miyu is retiring after this fight regardless yeah this fight kind of stuck out to me because they tried to set it for earlier in the year but Mm -hmm. miyu was such a big deal for them when they brought her in horizon yes it's hard to for people outside of japan it's hard to explain but her brother was ridiculously famous kid right but not just that she was ridiculously famous in her own right Right, and so his younger sister, who is married to you, Darvish, you know? <laughs> she and her sister are, like, played big roles in wrestling, women's wrestling, becoming part of the Olympics. Because it's they like were so popular beforehand. Right. And their father was an Olympic wrestler himself. Mm-hmm. And I believe Mia was married to Insani Inoue at the time. Her yeah. sister's now married right. to you, Darvish. So it's just like this, mm-hmm. no matter what this family does, it seems to be famous so. It's like and, a professional sports celebrity family, right? Like exactly. It's kind of like it's a bad example to say like they're almost like the Japanese version of the Gracies, just like yeah, yeah, almost on that right. sports family of Japan. They right. even have Yamamoto, which is like the most stereotypical like Japanese warrior name that you could think of. <laughs> so, if I mean, they're American family, I'm pretty sure it'd be some kind of reality show, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and plus. To look as their genetics are ridiculous. To look as jacked as she does at her age. Oh, insane. I know, I know. But they're very naturally like gifted athletes. You know, when Rising started the women's division, I believe originally they they're trying to convince Megumi Fuji to come out of retirement, but mm-hmm. she was just kind of like too beat up and beyond that point. I think yeah, she won't be able to do that. She has knee problems and back problems. She's yeah. she's damaged so. But so when they launched the women's division in Japan, the two big stars they brought in were Rena and they brought in Miyu. I mean, the weight division mm-hmm. is essentially 49 kilograms. This isn't official, but that weight because that's the weight Rena could make. <laughs> like, it's like, right. I mean, it's a so super atom weight, whatever it is. Yeah, it's a perfect weight for both Miyu and Rena. And their first fight was huge. Right. And they had a, so, like, they were the things that helped launch the women's division. They had the whole tournament also based around them. So they're mm-hmm. a big deal. And so her retiring is also a big deal because the women's division, while they had the Super Atomweight tournament last year, this year they only had three fights, I believe. Yeah. I mean, it's Atomweight. almost dead. The women's division is almost dead in Rise. It's the lowest. That's like the only times they've, it's as low as it was during the pandemic, 2020. Mm-hmm. In the very first year, where they only had four events, <laughs> every other like it went from the tournament just crashed. And I mean, Seika Izawa is getting more popular, but she's not like a overly charismatic person. She doesn't have like the family history or anything to spark the interest. She doesn't mm-hmm. have like the marketability of like a Rena figure. And I'm also hearing some murmurings that perhaps it's not just things you hear from people that rising might actually be more interested at 52 kilograms now at strong right. I've just heard because they've made it clear this division is weird because they have fighters like Saudi Oshima and people like that who rising's not really interested in like they're not people they're making fights for Saudi Ashima will contact them and be like, I hear you have this person fighting. I want to fight. I'll be their opponent. It's kind of the situation those fighters are in. And so the core division they had is Miyamoto, Ayaka Hamasaki, 
Seika Izawa and like Kana Asakura. Those are like the girls of the Rat and White division. And they just bring mm-hmm. people in for them to fight. Well, right. the problem is, is almost all those people are near the end of their careers, if not barely fighting. And uh, they brought Machi in at 52 kilograms. And he I just that... lost too in Deep Jewels. <laughs> they brought Machi in, who I've heard is adamant that she refuses to drop to 48 kilos. Like right. she's not going below fifty-two. No. So they brought they didn't bring Ayak, they didn't bring Ayaka Watanabe in. They brought Machi in and Watanabe was like brought forward to be Machi's opponent. Mm-hmm. So like Machi is who they're interested in. Machi won that fight, and then Machi all of a sudden gets a strawweight title fight in deep. So it seems like they're doing all the works to help promote her, but then she loses that fight. They kind of right. derailed all of that. But I wouldn't be yeah, surprised. I think this is a hard part about like a, a professional sports in a way though, because it's after all it's a competition. So it's a good thing you mentioned finally Ayaka in there. You know, yeah. you, exactly you're right that they created the division around Arena and Miyu. It's obvious. Right. But the bottom line was Ayaka was like a much better fighter. Oh, yeah, so she came back from the US. Running. Yeah. Yeah. She but, basically ended up destroying Kana, destroying like every best Kana who destroyed Rena, you know, and the Rena got beat by the girl who combated Global. So uh, right now, they just don't have any reason to promote these fighters as a uh, world class fighters now, you well, know. Hamasaki was interesting though because she's not like overly charismatic. No, she's not traditionally remarkable, but because she had gone to the U.S. and kicked a bunch of ass. She was popular. People were like, this girl's one of the best fighters in the world. And they were able to like build a brand around that image. Exactly. Exactly. The key word is branding. She had yeah. that branding of a fighter who became a number one in the world in America. It's same right. kind of I talked to Naoki a lot about that. In the beginning, they were marketing him as a, a you know the youngest fighter to sign up to UFC, came back from New York. So that was a branding, but now he became one of them in Japan. So it's same thing for Ayaka. She showed her like strength, and she basically dominated for a while. Mm-hmm. But then, then I don't think her number was really in terms of viewership was not that as high as Reina and Miu's. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Then now she's still losing to to Seika, and I'm pretty sure Seika versus Hamasaki's numbers are not as good as Reina versus Miu. Oh, you know what I mean? So Seika, I think Seika versus Park did absolutely terrible numbers. I think so too, right? I don't have the numbers, I don't know, but I could tell pretty much, you know? Because Park is an exciting striker, but she's also just like a charisma vacuum. Mm-hmm. She just is not the most charismatic person. When you put both of them together, it's kind of difficult to promote some brand. They need some help with the branding because Seika has the skill set. She just needs a little help. But that's what's kind of interesting about Miyu, though, is that she doesn't do like crazy social media numbers. No, but because of her history, like everybody knows who she is in Japan, right? Like, I think I've, I told you this before that that I talked to the Yahoo Japan guys, and they have this certain numbers to classify who has more recognition level and blah blah blah. They all told me that Miyamoto still has a high, one of the highest recognition level among any rising fighters to the general public. Not just know? rising fighters. Like, um, I'll talk to people at work or when I'm out drinking. Yeah, no. And I have never met someone who doesn't know who Miyama is. Exactly, right. So the, the basically, I think it's fair to say she's a household name. Yeah, 100%. She's probably more known than maybe Horiguchi even, right? Well, In terms no, of the general public. That's not even a question. She is more known than Horiguchi. Right. She and her sister are probably some of the most Seiko. famous female athletes of all time in, like, Japanese history. Right. It's so, crazy but, how long it's endured because she was popular almost before the Kakutogi boom of like the late way 90s. before, way before and just endured yeah. because they would, whenever kid would fight, they'd always show her and her sister, like sitting ringside, right. cheering him on and everything. And if yeah. I'm correct, I think she did do some wrestling bout in like women's pro wrestling promotion when they did the big show in Dome. They did. Or it was else. huge. They did, right? they did like yeah. a Tokyo Dome or something. And it did that's right. Dome. Yeah. I remember seeing that. Yeah. So, I mean, she was a big name for, to big enough a name to become a so-called special guest, right, on the big dome show. So, so that tells everything about her. Well, there's no coincidence that um, 
rising angled for her retirement opponent to be Seika because they're trying to oh. get a little bit of rub on Seika. Right. But um, I think it's kind of fair to assume that Seika is going to win this, and I guess she'll pass the torch to Seika. But I'm not sure yeah, if they can yeah. pass the torch in terms of a popularity, right, in the recognition level. Well, the issue is, it could be an interesting fight just based off the fact that it'll be kind of interesting to see what happens if Seika can't take Miyu down. Because she's not going to have a wrestler. Right, but I think she'll be fine attacking from the bottom. No, I think she'll pull guard. I think she'll pull guard or something like that. Yeah, so Seika should probably win, but it is the retirement of probably maybe the most most well-known female fighter in the promotion. So it's a big deal. So it's a big deal. So I think Rising is trying to get a much as, you know, like a popularity of Seika from this fight, basically, right? So, but then what's after this for her? Because in terms of a Japanese MMA, you mentioned Machi just lost. So another one I can think about is that the ex-baseball player who just became a champion, Arisa Matsuda, right? Of the jewels. That's that's a strawweight. So if Seika is willing to go up to 115, I think that matchup could happen. Yeah. You know? But most of the time, Rising thinks that when you book somebody new, like Matsuda, they would want her to fight somebody else first and win to build her name. Yeah. So that's always the pattern for you know, Rising matchmaking. So that, Did Seika make her debut against Ayaka Hamasaki? <laughs> right. So that's actually, that was different, right? It wasn't a tournament or was something like that? No, oh, no. It was before... Um... It was just like a random New Year's Eve, I think. Oh, yeah, exactly. Right. And it was uh, Seika's champion. At Rising time, debut, right? yeah. It wasn't a championship belt, yeah. though. It was not a championship yeah. belt. Oh, okay. No, yeah. But they they need to do something with the division because it's so dead now. They need to get out there and get some of the more international fighters in. There's Adam Waits out there. They just need to bring them in. Well, here, here's what it is. I, I'm pretty sure the numbers are the problem. They're not getting a new, uh, enough viewers for the female uh, fights in Rising. And right. I think the quick solution to that would be to bring in somebody from Breaking Down. <laughs> you, know? you have girls And there. that might boost a little bit of girls' uh, division. And that might you know, give single more freedom to book female fighters. Who knows, right? Or the solution might be actually to like brand and promote one of them or something. But. Yeah, yeah, but again, you know, it's hard. Like, like for example, if if this is only if, let's say if I approach any of the breaking down fighters to see if they're willing to go to America and fight BKFC, I don't think they have a skill to do it. But before that, I'm pretty sure most of them won't do it. No. You know, what I mean? so that's the point. It's it's hard to find the guys who's really a girl or a competitor who's really willing to step because I know. Rising has offered many, many breaking down fighters a fight, but many of them rejected, turned down, and said, well, Oh, there's no way I can you know compete against this fight. So many of them are not girls. stupid. I think they the girls are breaking down. I think most of the girls are breaking down are like porn stars and Exactly. So or exactly, or you know, like third rate actress or talent or whatever you call it. So yeah, exactly. So they're not stupid, they're smart, they understand. You know? Yeah, they don't want they don't want to die. Yeah, they understand. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, exactly. So, yes, I agree with you. The Rising has to have to find a way to promote the women's division. Otherwise, it's I don't know if it's going to go anywhere, you know? Well, if they bump it up to 52, you mm-hmm. don't have to say anything because I know you manage one of them. But I mean, if they bump it up to 52, they got Seika, they got Machi, they could maybe get Marata Kanako or something and have a little fun division going. Right. I think that's a fun division for hardcore fans, but for them yes. to score more higher viewership, they need something more. They need more spice. Yeah, they really you know need I mean? they really need a Rena or a Miyu type person. Exactly, or that kind of a, spice. Right. Yeah. Or like a you know, like a Ren or Yaman or you know, Ampo kind of spice. Well, Who knows, you know? The only girl I could think of that's even similar to that would be like Itsuki. If they get like Itsuki or something. Itsuki Hirata or in a way, Shinji Oakley, remember? They were hoping yeah. her to be that type of fighter, but I guess not anymore. And, oh, yes, and yeah. Gabby Garcia, they tried, didn't work, you know? Yeah. Which is a monster division, I call it. So it's it's difficult. But, you know, like, like Conor McGregor or like a Miyu in that sense, one star could change something. 
Yeah. So that might only take one star. But who is that one star? Who knows? Right? I don't know. Right. So besides this fight, anything else you want to talk about in Rising New Year's Eve? Like, oh yeah, of course. Um, <laughs> we were talking. I mean, like, I mean, like, I, I'm sorry. Like, I'm only interested in my. A few you of see my that? Um, what do you or think this about one. this okay, fight? Is crazy to me. Okay, this Arai versus Hiroya is crazy. Because yes. Hiroya has no business being in the ring with Arai. This is absolutely oh, not at all. Crazy. I think this is going to be a massacre. I think a I was true massacre. Andrew keeps saying on the We Are Rising podcast that it pays to be Mikuru's friend, and <laughs> clearly the case here because Hiroya is from Breaking Down. He's one of the guys that trains with Mikuru. Right. And, and you know that Joe Mikuru. started the YouTube channel, right? Oh, really? But yeah, oh, and, and, and I think he posted like two videos, and actually, so first, it's pretty interesting because first of all, he lives in this uh, small apartment in Shinjuku, but he pays like only fifty thousand yen because okay. somebody got murdered in that, in the apartment. He's okay. Like, he doesn't see ghosts, you know. It's kind of interesting. So, and you know how Kenji Osawa is, his master is also like a commentator. He's very active on social media, so. He's hoping that you know win over this guy and breaking down it would be a breakthrough for Joe. You know? It'd be big. It would be a big win for him just because of the name. Because when I go to deep shows, Hiroya does mm -hmm. have a pretty big fan base, mostly female. Oh yeah, right. I guess and you know. After his fights, like half the crowd gets up and leaves because he's never in the main <laughs> event. But, you know, but here's what it is: Joe, even though he's small, I think if UFC is going to continue doing road to UFC tournament. If if they're going to continue to do 125, I personally think he should try that. Yeah, even yeah, though he has well, like a 10, 11 losses on the record, but you know, his 12 crazy, losses. He's like lost nine losses. fights in a row and then went like an 11 fight win streak. Yeah, exactly. So who cares about the first nine loss, right? I mean, you always think about the last 10 fights. So Plus he's, got, he's got a ton of knockouts for a little guy. Exactly the finisher, which is very important, and and actually UFC like obviously like strikers, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, so I think he's the one. I personally think. Well, you know? I saw Hiroya in the um, Mikuru interviewed him ahead of this, and he was like, "Oh, I think Arai is the better fighter, but I don't think he's unbeatable." Mm -hmm. I was just like, I feel like even that is being charitable. I think he's a level way above you skill wise. Mm -hmm. All right, the are rising pockets. Which division do you think rising is going to focus in 2024? You would have to be featherweight. And, yeah, for the men, I think it's going to be featherweight and bantamweight as usual. Yeah, because there are some big fights coming up. And I can the right of the now, versus, um, a flyweight too, but not many flyweights. Yeah. Um, uh, because Suzuki just beat Keramov, right? And I'm pretty sure Keramov's next fight is close to being confirmed. And uh, uh, I can tell you, first fight of the first event of the next year is February. So, you know, so I think that's when they're going to start stirring up on bantamweight and featherweight divisions. Well, I think Arcoletta said if he beats Kai, he wants to fight Suzuki next and try to get both titles. Well, exactly, the two-way division. That's what I'm talking about. So that's a big hint. You know, it's going to stir things up. I think some some guys on the federal will drop the band. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. And I, I'm telling you right now, I think Rising is planning a big show in summer. Early oh, like summer. Super, super Rising show. Or even like a Tokyo Dome or something like that. Oh, Who yeah. knows? You know, that, that, that type of big show, you know? So, right. yeah, so that could happen, right? So... So I think everything is this show is to set up for the next year. So they'll do flyweight division fights too, but you know I think they'll do more on bantam and featherweights. Just the fact that there's more stars are there. Yeah. You know. Interesting. So anyway, so but let's talk about this one too, since we're talking about Takada Rising. Now, Nobuhiko Takada, who is who is like a supervisor, whoever that is for the Rising, has decided. Well, officially now rising. he is. His official position recently was captain. Oh, captain. All right. I don't know what that means. But... Now, is this like a big news in Japan? It made the news. 
And okay. I don't know if a lot of people are talking about it. I kind of see it as the ending of an era mm-hmm. because, I mean, this is a guy that's been around since Pride. doing, And I always felt like there was a um, a rift between him and Sakakibara during after the Tenshin Mayweather fight. Because if you remember, Takata was doing the commentary for that fight. And after the fight, he made some comment of like, this fight should have never been made. Mm-hmm. And then that comment got a lot of criticism. And Sakakibara, after the event, was like, well, I disagree. I think that I'm glad we made the fight. But then after that <laughs> event, Sakakibara, I mean, Takata was no longer the general manager. He like uh-huh. stepped back from his position and right, became right, like right, a right. spokesperson for Ryzen, which they like redubbed to captain. So I kind of felt like they had some disagreements around that time. And maybe Takata had always been kind of stepping farther and farther back from rising since then. Yeah, I think so. I agree. Also, yeah. they haven't been really using him in entrances recently. In no more, yeah, no more taiko drums and no more. Unfortunately, because I just remember the early rising shows where he would like came out with like the whole black outfit on or the mm-hmm. year he played the trumpet. I'll miss those opening ceremonies. I always enjoyed his stuff. So it feels like it's kind of the ending of an era with him leaving. Right. And, uh, well, I don't know where he's going. He's going to be just some kind of a TV talent, right? So, well, isn't, I mean, he's filthy rich, right? Well, I'm not right. sure how filthy rich he is, but I think like he's He wouldn't have to work again if he w- didn't want to, Rich. Just no, it's so funny. Dojo make a bunch of money. But here's what it is, though, Charlie. All these celebrities or famous people or whatever even though they have so much money i know a lot of people who lost so much money so quick <laughs> i'm serious i mean like mike tyson is a good example right okay. Guy, like hopefully I some... doesn't have a don doesn't have a uh, don king hanging on his corner so yeah or like i mean for example even takada he used to open some restaurants he failed you know like okay. it's really funny a lot of sports like professional sports athletes after their retirement they invest on restaurant chains. It happens a lot. In many are cases, like they fail. One of the fail. biggest failure, they f- what, 90% of restaurants fail in the first two years. Right, exactly. I mean, I think I think Takada used to own a, a restaurant called Mongolian Food, called Mongolian Chops, or something like that. <laughs> and that's nowhere to be found, right? now. <laughs> yeah, but I, I have a feeling, because he has that giant wrestling school, he's got to have some money. Yeah, oh, yeah, I'm sure. And he, he's coming from that older era of Japanese pro wrestling who probably has the big sponsors who is yeah. supporting him as well. It's it's like that in the Japanese sports, especially in the fight sports. So, yeah, but, I wouldn't be surprised. It was kind of interesting, though, because yeah. Kakibara said that he had hoped that Takata would be part of the opening ceremony and everything for the New Year's Eve. And Takata just kind of, like, blew it off, like, no, nah, I don't want to do it. So, yeah, I, I guess there's he... more going on behind the scenes than we know. I think so too, but I think if I'm correct, Takada maybe even managed by Sakakibara as another company. Oh, Who really? knows? So yeah, I, I'm not sure. Don't quote me on this, but but recently Takada signed with some uh, is it a employment agency commercials or something like that. He was on some pretty big national TV commercials, so maybe he's got a new thing going out there. Yeah. yeah? Interesting. And you know, let's talk about this one at the end. I forgot about this. This is one championship in Japan. <laughs> this, yeah, because that's going to affect. Have you seen the pictures of Radatang? No. So you, you know, mean the they, injured, injured one? Uh, oh, injured one. There yeah, is a what, bunch of pictures where he's never showing his hand. Like when people take oh, pictures really? of Radatang, he always has his hand behind something. Oh, so he's he's injured. So like all of his social media posts and stuff recently, it's just like his girlfriend standing in front of his arm, like his arm behind his mm-hmm. back. So he's clearly well, here, here's what it is. I think somebody else asked me about C there you go. Uh there you go. Daniel said, Do you think there is a chance for established male straightweight division rising? I think if the Joe Arise fights is super exciting and he gets popularity, they might. Because they are a lot of straightweight fighters in Japan. And on top of that, the guy like Yamakita in one championship. And, you know, right now there's a you know, rumor going on that, you know, one championship may be in trouble by the end of the next year kind of stuff. And yeah, if Yamakita ended up being like a free agent, 
then yeah, there, there's plenty of reason for them to establish that story division for male, you know? Right. So that could happen. And uh, now, what's the feedback from the Japanese fans on the announced card so far for this one Japan championship? One championship well, Japan show. I was at the Pancrase 340 show on Sunday. Okay. And mm -hmm. I was talking to some fans in the crowd that I know are guys that like go to everything. And I couldn't help but laugh because the first thing they said when I brought it up was they don't want to buy tickets because they heard if they wait long enough, one championship will give tickets away for free. <laughs> That's good. <great. laughs> so, but um, outside of that, I mean, Taketu is a big deal. It doesn't matter if he's fighting Rotatong or not. People will go see him fight. I think the issue is though, the event's like fairly expensive. I think it's the same price as like a Ryzen show. The cheapest ticket to like, what is it, 13,000 yen? I think Takeda versus Rotan alone, they think they can pull that, right? It's like a big boxing title right. fight, and everything else is just a little bit lesser, you know, attraction. So yeah, I think for Rotan to be able to fight is super crucial. It's Itsuki will, Itsuki, I don't know if he's a draw, but she gets a lot of attention. I don't know if she sells tickets, if that makes sense. I, mm, kind of I'm not sure if she fights Miura, right? Well, it's kind of a weird matchmaking. Is I think they just mm -hmm. want one of the Japanese fighters to win, so they're having two Japanese fighters fight each other. But when I see that fight, it's just a battle of Yamato Ursin's ex-girlfriends, so it seems kind of weird. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I forgot about that. I, that's true. <laughs> Like, they, are they gonna have him like sitting cage side? Like, this is just kind of a weird thing going on, but um, yeah, it's kind of a weird matchmaking because they're both kind of uh, in the nicest way possible one dimensional judo fighters, and so it's gonna just turn into a weird judo match, yeah, probably a grappling match. They're not gonna strike that much, you know, because Ayaka is gonna try to grab her and get into yeah, go for her scarf hold. Only, you know, yeah, go for her scarf hold. Right. So, but I mean, I'm she, sure that Ichiki is gonna try to avoid. Miyano's not a big like. She's a, I don't know. if She's a big mover, but Itsuki will get a lot of attention. Right. Um, I mean, this is when Itsuki should be doing a lot of striking training, which she should be oh. continue to be doing, but she it has been in Japan, so I have no idea what she's doing. I don't so. even know where she's. I mean, I know that. Miyota trains at Tribe, but I don't I have no idea where she trains in Japan. I have no idea too. So, right. yeah. I so, saw, I saw her brother fight at Pancrase. He won. He's, you know, but outside of that, yeah, um, not a lot of people are talking about it. Mm -hmm. I was at another gym where there were some fighters there that had fought in one championship previously. Mm -hmm. And even in Japan, the, like, the news of one's financial problems is pretty well known and people sure. have kind of gotten wise to one championship some of their like shortcomings i would say like mm -hmm. strict contracts a lot of negative news recently so i mm -hmm. think that's kind of been the more dominant news about one is less about the event in japan and like oh they're having money problems they're having these crazy contracts fighters are leaving that's too bad though it's not just good for the sport if the big one goes away like that. And yep. so if they are not successful in this show, I mean, this may be the end of one championship Japan show for a while. Well, if they get if they can get Takeda versus Rodotong, I think it'll sell a lot of tickets. I, I hope but, so. And, you know, because that will give Abema more reason to keep supporting them, right? But if this yeah. show doesn't turn out to be a good one, Abema has to start wondering about their part, sort of, you know, partnership with one championships. Yeah, I mean, plus, I mean, what did Chatri say that he wants to do four events in Japan this year? Mm -hmm. Something like that. But I think that's yeah. too ambitious. That's something that's possible. But I know that. Right. Like, I mean, not the big shows. Maybe they can do small shows. You know, like they did a couple of times. Remember, like one championship Kodakuan Hall. Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> or that fall. Right. So they could no, do but, that. You know, with Abema. I think. If they want to do well at this event, they're going to need to announce some more fights with some Japanese fighters on them. Mm -hmm. And they're going to need a couple more big names, yeah. especially if Rotatong falls off the card.
Right. And I think, you know, since they have a bunch of top kickboxers, if they can do some deal with K1, bring in some of, that, some of their popular fighters, yeah. yeah, that'll boost up their, you know, attentions and tickets. So, you know, it's, Just, well, it's the end of January, right? January 28th. So it's yeah. like about a month to go, you know, let's hope they're going to come up with a better, more, you know, interesting matchmaker. I don't know how big of a draw Shinya Aoki is anymore outside of hardcore fans. Yeah, and, not necessarily. It's, he's a real hardcore fan. Yeah, that's right. And I think most of Itsuki's fans are outside of Japan. So I don't know right. how big of a draw so, she'll be in Japan. Yeah. Miyota's not a draw, really. Um, who's the guy that's a champ? The, there's a Japanese kickboxing champion in one championship, right? Right, but he's not the big draw. But they should book him too if he's healthy, you know? Yeah, because I mean, it'll at least get interest because he's a champion. Mm -hmm. But yeah. <laughs> right, so it's too. Yeah, I guess I guess you're it's right because I don't really hear too much, you know, about this show from any other people. You know? Well, I think historically January is always kind of a dead month for mm -hmm. combat sports because it's kind of like that post New Year's Eve hangover. It kind of goes right, on right. where. Not a lot happens. So it's a good time because nothing else will be happening. They just need to announce the fights and they need to announce them soon. Mm -hmm. Well, let's let's hope they'll come up with a couple more good ones, right? So they'll boost the pay-per-view sales, hopefully. <laughs> well, it's kind of... I think that they're being way too ambitious. To they should have lowered the ticket prices, I think. Seems yeah. Kind of but again, so once you lower it's hard to come back up. So... I think they're leaning towards trying to book better fights than lowering price. <laughs> I think that's what it is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Makes sense. All right. So I guess that's it for today. Let me check my notes real quick. Yeah. Um, so let's see. We talked about breaking down future. Yeah. Pacquiao. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. That's all I want. Yeah. So, you know. Have a nice new year, and I guess we'll come back in a couple of weeks or so. We talk about the New Year's Eve show. Yeah, we can talk about Sarah Kubo's live performance and how awesome it was. I forgot about that too. So, <laughs> yeah, let's talk about that. Yeah. All right. All right. So, I hope everyone had a good new year. Is going to have a good new year? And, yeah. you know, we'll talk again in the year 2024. Yep. Sounds good. All right. And have a nice New Year's. You too. You too. All right. Bye bye.